This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I am great, Bryce. I am very excited for this episode. We love doing two things on this podcast, interviewing expert investors and interviewing ASX-listed CEOs. And in this interview, we're going to do both. In the form of one person. I know, super episode coming up. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm excited as well. Before we do jump into it, uh, this episode of Equity Mates is in partnership with the ASX CEO Connect, which brings together listed companies and retail investors. It's hosted virtually by the ASX every second month and is a great opportunity for you to hear from CEOs and leaders of some of the most popular companies on the ASX from the comfort of your own home. And today we have the privilege of speaking with one of these CEOs. It is our pleasure to Welcome to the studio, Tim Carver. Tim, welcome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So Tim is the co-founder and CEO at GQG Partners. The ASX ticker is GQG. Prior to GQG, Tim spent 10 years as CEO of Pacific Current Group and ASX-listed asset manager. And today, we're going to be talking to Tim about all things asset management and the incredible story behind GQG. So, uh, so Ren, let's crack in. Let's do it. Now, Tim, uh, there may be some listeners who are unfamiliar with GQG, but for those who have been watching the fund management space and the ASX-listed funds management space, you have taken the market by storm, going from zero to 100, literally zero to 100 billion in incredible time. So take us back to the beginning. Uh, Can you tell us the story of GQG? How was it founded? And what should we know about your co-founder, Rajiv Jain? Well, guys, it's uh, it's a pertinent question because the uh, the story of GQG begins on Manly Beach in Sydney, Australia. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> um, as you as you mentioned, I uh, in my prior life, of course, I, I served as the CEO of, of Pacific Current Group, which is an ASX listed company, and uh, I was down with my colleague uh, doing a, an annual earnings roadshow. And the weekend between uh, our journey in 
in, in Melbourne and Sydney, we were staying out of Manly and we got a call over the weekend from Rajiv and he said, guys, it's time. I'm, re- I'm ready to go. I'm ready to start my own firm. And, you know, obviously we were, we were incredibly excited that he got, called us and we were the first call. But over that weekend, I personally also thought, gosh, I'd, I'd really like to join Rajiv. And I, I just remember calling my wife and saying, honey, uh, there's a big opportunity here. And, and I remember walking up and down Manly Beach, sort of ruminating on the opportunity and, and you know, obviously had the good fortune of, of being able to join Rajiv personally. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. Wow. The thing is, though, guys, it's interesting. I, I often tell people the story of GQG can't be separated from the prologue. In other words, the prologue is part of the story. And what I mean by that is that, you know, Rajiv had built a circa $50 billion asset manager inside a big Swiss bank called Von Tobel. Uh, he really did that, you know, primarily independently in, in New York and Florida. You know, on the business side, several of us have been involved in, in helping start and grow a number of different types of boutiques around the world. And so we came to this with some particular views on, you know, hard earned, you know, failures, what doesn't work and, and things that, that, that would work. We came to it with some very deeply held uh, sort of guiding principles, things like, you know, we, we, we want to be the most aligned boutique in the, in the marketplace, uh, things like always making sure client interests are first. And with some views that, you know, this is the most competitive business of the world. And, and, uh, I often say it's more competitive here in the U.S. We'll say than the NFL, or you know, down there I might say than Aussie rules football, or <laughs> um, you know. But it's the most competitive business in the world. I think people often lose sight of that. And if you if you if you have those guiding principles, they guide the way you think about building a team, the way you think about building a culture, frankly, the way you you, you hold yourself every single day. And so, I think that the prologue, the idea that we had done this before, really has been um, critical to forming those views. And those views, in fact, have been critical critical to the early successes that we've had in, in this journey. Uh, so GQG, uh, asset manager based in Fort Lauderdale and down in Florida. So Tim, why list on the ASX? Yeah, look, there, there were a bunch of reasons for listing on the ASX. Part of it is familiarity, you know, uh, obviously given my own background. Um, we have we have a lot of nexus to Australia as well. So our first major institutional client in the world was was in Australia. Uh, we have a, a, a reasonably deep institutional business and a growing retail business in Australia. Obviously, Pacific Current is our was our only outside shareholder prior to to the listing, and they're they're ASX listed. So lots of nexus to Australia that that made it logical. But I also had the strategic view that ultimately the retail business in Australia for us could grow nicely and that being listed could really augment that. And well, it's early days. We're, we're seeing signs of that already. And I do think that the listing there you know, created enough notoriety that it should really help strategically help the business as we go forward. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we can say it was the notoriety from the ASX that has contributed to this, but it is a pretty incredible story that you guys are building six years since founding and you've grown to almost $100 billion assets under management. Some fund managers spend a lifetime trying to get to that number and never do. How have you grown so quickly? Yeah, you know, you know what you'd find interesting is that we, we said from day one that we would never have a growth target. So this is one of those stories where what you know you you get what you're not looking for. And you know, I think that 
these businesses in the end are all about investment performance. And, you know, I think that clearly Rajiv had a reputation uh, coming into to, to the establishment of the business. The investment team have put up uh, really extraordinary numbers over the long term. We've done our best to service the heck out of our clients. And I you know, put those things together. And I think that's, that's the sort of formula for growth. But I think there's also, interestingly, one of the things that we don't talk a lot about is the fact that there's been a real dearth in formation of new investment firms over the past decade. And, um, you know, I've talked to a number of, of, of leading institutional investors around the world about this and, and all agree that there's been a real fall off on, on sort of the establishment of new boutiques. And so I do think that having a credible, scalable uh, uh, sort of platform that we've built at GKG also put, positioned us in a way that we could be the credible new options, something new that people wanted to invest with. And we didn't have a lot of competition in that part of the spectrum. And so I think that's that's contributed to it as well. So Tim, it's often said in funds management that it gets harder as you get bigger. And you said you didn't have a growth target of 100 or a growth target at all, but here you are at 100 billion assets under management. So I guess the question from that is how big do you think you can get or do you want to get? Like you're, are you aiming for the for the big T, trillion? <laughs> <laughs> no, certainly not. So, uh, that mantra actually still stands. We'll, we, we will never have a growth target because I think that that's the wrong, that's the wrong way to run these businesses. This in, the, in this business, growth and margin are outcomes, and I think people sometimes confuse that. They think they're you know they think you can you can sort of dial those up or down. The reality is that they're outcomes. The things that we can control are how do we go about building our investment team? How intensely focused are we on delivering investment results? How do we service our clients? And if we do those things. I'm confident the growth will follow, and and you know part of the part of the reason is, I, I don't mean to be to be evasive here at all, but part of the re- reason I don't have a, a real target is that I think there are a lot of really creative things we can do with this business in supporting uh, new entrepreneurs in you know whether that's doing team liftouts or recruiting young talent and developing it. There are lots of different ways that we can that we can develop talent here at GKG, and if we do that effectively, we'll continue to grow outside of what the core investment team is doing today. So the, you know. The, the sky's the limit, but we'll, we'll never have a growth target. We're going to be focused on how do we find great investment talent? How do we bring that to bear to, for our clients? So Tim, uh, when we were flicking through your presentation for ASX CEO Connect, and if people want to see your presentation, head to the ASX CEO Connect website. Um, we had one definitional question about JQG's business, and we've got you on the show, so we get to ask. Uh, we get to ask you. Uh, JQG has twenty nine billion dollars in a global equity strategy and thirty three billion in an international equity strategy. What's the difference between global equity and international equity? Yeah, yeah, good question. So for from for us, international equity is global X US. So as a US manager, you know, it's the non-US strategy, whereas global, of course, is everything in the world, including US stocks. So they're similar, but you know, the US makes a fairly significant portion of, of global, so that there is a fair amount of differentiation there. So Tim, uh, let's turn our attention to the markets in 2022. It's been an absolute roller coaster, one that feels like it's been going down more than up, that's for sure. <laughs> um, Although the, the day that we're recording today, uh, the Federal Reserve raises interest rates 75 basis points and the market rips. It's just, it is a confusing time. It's been one for particularly our audience uh, that have 
have you know started their investing journey within the last decade and have been privy to a bull market. It's a tough time at the moment, and we're wondering how are GQG approaching the market at the moment. What's your sort of key sort of takeaway at the moment? One of our mantras at GQG is hold your views, but hold them lightly. And what we mean by that is you've got to be reactive to the data. We 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 all uh, you know we, we're incredibly data driven. We develop views based on the data. But I think one of the biggest risks that you find as an investor is that you anchor. And so the ability to pivot, the ability to be dynamic, that is, is incredibly important. You saw us do that obviously in the second half of last year, and that that's been a great outcome for us and our our investors over the first half of this year. But this environment, I think that becomes all the more important. You know, Making sure that you maintain that dynamism, that you're listening to the data. And, and to your point, the cross currents are so extreme right now that it is, it's a very, very challenging market environment for sure. And I think for people who aren't familiar with JQG's recent investment decisions, it was about what, uh, early 2021 when you started uh, selling down tech or getting out of tech and rotating out of it, which... I imagine was uh, maybe a difficult decision at the time, given how you know how good 2021 was. Um, but in hindsight, it was you, you were right and you were early on it. It's always feels good to to call out your winners, but <laughs> the, um, so we, we you know make plenty of mistakes too, obviously. But but yeah, look, if you looked at 2021 in our global strategy, for example, you know we we lagged the market a little bit, and that's because we did start to say that some of these businesses that were really ripping, that we thought valuations were getting a bit excessive, and um, and so we we did make some changes, and we had a view that that you know inflation maybe would be a little bit higher. A little bit more persistent than than perhaps the market as a whole thought but you have to be careful that you don't just you know rest on that on that view and and this is the point that it is so dynamic uh the cross currents are so strong right now that we've got to be looking and making sure that that view you refresh that view every single day yeah so i think you know that that was a classic example of uh gqj as a fund manager having a contrarian view to the mainstream market um and now in 2022, the the whole dynamics of the market has changed. But as a fund manager and as an investment team, are you guys looking out and do you think the market is getting anything wrong at the moment? Anything, you know, business media are getting wrong about current market conditions. Are there any other contrarian views that uh, that you guys are holding? Yeah, look, I don't know that I'd say that we have particularly contrarian views. I think, you know, the markets come around to a lot of the views that, that we hold. Um, you know, the, I, like I said, I think the bigger challenge is will we and will our, you know, competitors and the, and the cohort of, of active managers be effective at navigating this? And that's, you know, that's the real question that you've got such, uh, such divergent uh, uh, inputs you know, as you pointed out, with Fed raising rates 75 basis points today and, and markets uh, ripping a little bit on the back of that, you know, how, you, so the question is, are we going to be successful in navigating this? And, you know, we'll, how, how will active managers interpret this data and develop a, you know, forward-looking view? So, Tim, before uh, we move to understanding a little bit more about the actual business of funds management, we're just going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So uh, just a reminder to the Equitymates community that this episode is part of the CEO Connect, ASX CEO Connect partnership that we have And for those that can't attend the live event, be sure to check out the presentation recordings online. We will have that link in show notes. But Tim, let's turn our attention to the business of funds management. We we were talking offline before the uh, interview, Ren and I, about the competitive advantages in funds management. And you sort of alluded to it at the top. It's one of the most competitive industries out there. So how do you build a competitive advantage in the funds management business? One of my early mentors uh, said to me early in my career that in the long run, investment outcomes flow from investment cultures. In other words, you have to get the investment culture right to drive long-run investment returns. And you know, I think that that, that you hear everybody talk about culture, but but it is the be-all end-all in my view um, from an operational perspective of how you know what you have to do to to, to develop to develop a moat, to develop a competitive edge. And, you know, I think that you alluded to it, this is the most competitive business in my mind. And so you have to be honing that competitive edge every day. And you might ask, okay, so what are, like, how do you see that? What, what are the, what are the hallmarks of that? And I think for GTG, at least one of the places I point to is you look at just the breadth and diversity of experience that we've built into the team. So we've been very intentional about the way we built the team, including traditional buy side analysts, folks with a equity and, and, and fixed income, long, short backgrounds, people with more growth orientation, people with more valuation orientation. We have folks who used to be journalists, uh, people who used to be professors, uh, even somebody who used to be work for the, for the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. And so when you bring all of that together, what you're really saying is that I want to create devil's advocacy in the team. I want to have different points of view battle every day internally, lest the market prove us wrong externally. And so it's that fight, that that intellectual battle for ideas and which ideas can survive and which ideas can can prosper. That's what you've got to get right. And you have to do that obviously in a way that's collaborative, that people feel like it's a it's a team effort and they love working there and they thrill in the challenge. To me, that's that's what it's all about. If if you can if you can hone that competitive edge, if you can create a culture that really is about performance, um, that's it's very hard to do and it and it and it creates something that I think really does give you a sustainable uh, competitive edge. We in Australia we've seen the the challenge of I guess key man risk in funds management. Uh Kerr Nielsen at um Platinum and then Hamish Douglas at Magellan recently come to mind. Um obviously we started the interview by talking about Rajiv and uh his incredible track record. I guess how do you think about that for a business like GQG and with everything you were talking there about building the investment team and building the investment culture 
How do you, I guess, mitigate or control for that K-man risk? The world focuses on the risks associated with key people and seldom focuses on the on the real benefits that these key people drive, right? There's a reason that they're key people. They're, they're creating tremendous value for the, their colleagues and for their clients. And so my view is actually a little bit different. I don't want to dilute down the key man risk or diversify away the key man risk. I want to go emphasize the key people in our business. And that what, I, what that means to me is how do we go recruit many, many more key people? How do I, how do I, I want, the, I want our firm teaming with, with key people in all aspects of the business. Um, and so, so I think that the way you perpetuate these businesses, the way you make them incredibly stable, the way you make them durable is to add great investment talent, to add more key people who can bring that special talent to bear for clients and if you do that in the long run, obviously shareholders benefit tremendously from it. So my view is let's 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 uh, let's double down on key, on 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 key people. Let's go get as many as we can and really sort of perpetuate a culture where great investment talent wants to wants to live and and, and ply their craft. It's probably a philosophy that carries across all business, yeah, really. Just yeah, yeah. get key people in and, <laughs> and go hard. So Tim, um, it, no, it's so true. It's it, it's so true. You know, I also you know, we obviously often make a lot of sports analogies because I think that you know the endeavors are so similar. But you like, look, great athletes want to play with great athletes, right? And and uh, I actually had a mentor early in my career who was a, a an offensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks, the, you know, one of the professional mm. NFL teams, and he used to say there are three kinds of people you want. You know, three kinds of people in any organization. They're the people that you win because of. They're the people you win with. And they're the people you win in spite of. And the whole goal of a coach is to add to the win because ofs and get rid of the win in spite ofs. And, and I think there's some real wisdom in that. You know, we, we want to go find as many key people as we can uh, in this business. Mm. So, Tim, um, I guess with competitive, uh, a competitive landscape comes pressure on, you know, parts of the industry such as fees. And we're seeing uh, downward pressure both here in Australia and globally in, in funds management. Your, your funds average a 50 basis point management fee and the old days of the two and 20 structure seem to be fast disappearing. So how, how do you think about this downward pressure on, on fees in the industry and, and what do you do to ensure that you can, I guess, do more with less? Yeah, and unfortunately, I think it's a one-way street too. I, I suspect that for you know the rest of our careers, we'll see, we'll continue to see fee pressure um, across the whole industry. And again, I'll, I'll sort of invert this a little bit and say one of the benefits of this is that, of course, fees are part and parcel of your net returns back to shareholders. So the, if you if you have to operate with lower fees, the good news is that you're delivering better better net results to your to your clients. And so I think that's you know that's one perspective that we need to take uh, with respect to fees. Look, for us. We we entered this business relatively recently. Fees were you know roughly where they are today when we started the business, and so we did it. You know we we've built this business structurally in a way that we're confident we can operate at the at the prevailing fees that are in the market today. I think it's a lot harder for legacy firms that maybe have you know fees that are significantly higher on average than ours, and maybe have you know employee bases that are many multiples in terms of the number of people that they're they're employing. That's a, that's a tough one because I do believe that everybody ultimately will norm out um, to to you know fees sort of prevailing fees wherever the market is, and and particularly if you don't have great performance, but that's that's culturally really really challenging to to, to navigate through that. So so I'm 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 very happy that we had a, a blank slate when we when we started the firm and and you know and I think it's worth calling out a couple of the details of our structure. So 
one of the benefits of that that, that we talk a lot about is the alignment. And you'll recall that I said culturally, I think you know one of the things we came to building GQG with one of the perspectives was we wanted to be one of the most aligned investment boutiques in the world. And so the the reality is that as founders, we take the vast majority of our economics as shareholders, not not as employees. And so when you do that, when you have that deep alignment with both shareholders and clients in that way, it means that you're not getting paid through the PL and therefore you're not taxing the PL with the economics for the, you know, for the senior folks in, in the firm in the same way that a that an older firm with less where the senior management has less ownership might be. And so I think those structural pieces are key as well. So if you get it structured right, I think you have a, a, a much, you know, again, a huge competitive edge over legacy firms that maybe don't have quite the same flexibility. Tim, we're, we're fascinated by this idea of uh, what matters and what doesn't. Uh, Bryce and I, before doing uh, Equity Mates, before being in the podcast game, we were both in retail and there were some numbers or some metrics that really mattered in that space. You know, In retail, you're looking at same store sales, sales per square foot. And then there are a number of metrics that just really didn't matter, but seemed to get a lot of airtime uh, from you know the business news and stuff like that. So one thing that we want to do this year is when we get CEOs on, we want to ask this question about what matters and what doesn't in your industry. So in the business of funds management, what are the most important metrics for you? What are you as CEO of GQG really focused on to, I guess, check on the health and the growth of, of GQJ. You know, guys, there's there's one metric that matters in my view, uh, and that is your investment performance. And everything else pales in comparison. At the end of the day, this is about, about investment performance. Think of it this way. The world doesn't need another active equity manager charging <laughs> active fees and delivering average performance, right? So, 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 so investment performance is it. It's it's the whole thing, and and you have to sustain it. Now, of course, you know, of course, every manager has periods of underperformance. You've got to be careful not to to overreact to short term, but but you got to have investment performance. That's that's what matters, and and I think it dwarfs everything else. Now. We look at some other stuff too, and and um, you, you may have heard me talk in the past about one of the things I like to look at as a leading indicator is how many research eyes are we getting on our products? And there, there's one great uh, database called Investment Alliance that we look to to say, you know, are we being researched by professional investors, whether they be big institutions or IFAs or, or whoever? Um, are we being researched as, as much as our competitors are? Um, are there any trends in that? I think that's an important thing for us to make sure that, that, we're, that our story is, is getting out there. And then I think, you know, as on the business side, I, I would focus on are, are we expanding the footprint of distribution? And that doesn't mean growth. What it means is, are there new ways that we can, we can access clients or new sets of clients that we're getting to that we didn't get to yesterday? And if, we, if, if you put up the numbers and you, and you expand the reach and you're getting enough people researching you, you know, the, the rest takes care of itself. On that idea of performance, investment performance being the bail and end all, I think people often get confused and especially new investors and, and retail investors get confused about what they should be looking for in terms of performance, you know, one year, three year, five year, seven year. Um, and, you know, we've seen Magellan in Australia have a recent period of underperformance and just being punished by the market because of it. When you're thinking about JQG, what are you looking at in terms of performance? For you, is it every year you got to be beating the index? Is it over a certain period of time? And how do you want your 
I guess your clients to be looking at GQG's investment performance? Yeah, look, guys, the truth is we're, we're looking at every single day. I, you know, I feel like we've got to show up and perform every day. Of course, we don't, right? Of course, we underperform plenty of days. Um, but, but, you, but, but the angst inside comes from, are we, are we performing? And of course, there's so much nuance behind that because there, the question is, what are the reasons that you, you're outperforming or underperforming? You may be outperforming for all bad reasons, right? Um, and you may be underperforming for good reasons. So it's, 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 it's a complicated question. I, I do think that over time, clearly, you've got to see performance over the, you know, over the intermediate to long term. But, but I think internally, certainly, we, we, we have to feel that drive of we have to show up and show up and, and play every single day. So Tim, before we move to uh, a couple of final questions, just on the what matters and what doesn't, uh, is there anything that you know is discussed in business media that you feel uh, is really useless when we t- talk about funds management business? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think the market, th- th- these businesses are fairly straightforward. And so I think that, you know, I think the market understands what the key drivers are. I might harken back to what I said earlier. And and, and just, I, I do think that there's often a confusion around the, the extent to which one can control things like growth rates um, or margins in a business and you can control margin in the short term but but I think that you know long term long term you really can't in this business and I think there's maybe a fundamental misunderstanding that from my perspective at least as a leader in this business we have got to do whatever it takes to recruit the talent, get, field the players we want to field, uh, and we've got to do everything we can to put up investment performance. And if we do those things, then you know margin and growth are, are outcomes. Um, and so I, I do think that often people think those may be things you can control a little bit more than you really can. But beyond that, no, look, I, th- I think the market, these businesses, I think are, are pretty well understood. Well, Tim, uh, we want to say thank you for joining us today. It is a fascinating story that you're building at GQG from zero to 100 in six years. And we're very excited to, I guess, keep watching it play out. We always like to finish with a couple of questions about uh, your business today and and into the future. So uh, we'll move to those. And on the risk side, when you look at GQG today and you think about its future, what are some of the biggest risks for GQG? Sitting here right here and now, I think the the real risks right now are are, are just the market we're operating in, and the the, the as we talk, we've talked about here the the, the cross currents that we're all experiencing, and being able to na- navigate those effectively. You know, can we continue to to uh, to perform, um, and can and and then by extension, can we continue to attract really great investors who who want this to be the place that they they apply their craft? Those are those are the risks. Do we you know do we have a thriving culture? Uh, and and are we dyna- you know do we have enough dynamism uh, to you know to be effective in markets? And then final question: We're long-term investors here at Equity Mates, and we, we like to think about finding businesses that can compound over the long term. So, if you think about GQG in ten years, what would success look like? I think for for me, this will be successful if GQG becomes sort of synonymous with the place where great investors want to hang their hat. And so if you're, you know, if you're a young kid coming out of school uh, or coming out of an investment banking program, GQG is where I want to go. That's where the great investors go. Or if you're a, you're a team that wants to launch its own, its own fund or its own firm and is looking for partnerships, you say, gosh, I'd love it if we could do that with GQG. Um, if, if, if we become 
the place that talent wants to go, uh, the, the, the really the platform that is most attractive to investment talent, uh, I think that this becomes a, a really a thriving enterprise and one that, that should sustain for, for quite some time. Well, to the Equitymates community, if you have enjoyed uh, this conversation with Tim just as much as we have, the ASX CEO Connect Day offers more of this style of talks with C-suites. Their most recent webinar just took place, so you can uh, head to the uh, CEO Connect page at the ASX. We'll have the link in our show notes, and there's plenty of uh, conversations to be had and to listen to with uh, other CEOs on the ASX around the country. Tim, thank you so much for your time. It's an absolute pleasure. We love understanding more about funds management business. And uh, as Alex said, it's a, a it was a great uh, culmination or combination of CEO and fund manager in this interview. So we uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with us in the community today. Thanks, guys. It was a pleasure. It was all mine. Thanks, Tim. Equity Mates Investing Podcast is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equitymates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Meets Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast or video. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.